Welcome to A Strong Woman for Strong Women with Erica Cummings, financial advisor at RBC Wealth Management. In this podcast, we help busy, high-achieving women overcome the financial stresses that can impact your health, wealth, and happiness. Join Erica as she explores ways you can create a healthy balance of financial wellness and replace limiting beliefs and bad habits to harmonize your journey toward total emotional and financial wellness. Let's get started. Things are opening up as we begin to move into a post-pandemic world. But what does your financial world look like? Erica Cummings, the host of A Strong Woman for Strong Women, considers the possible impact of the past year and a half and reviews some best practices and common mistakes. I'm Patrice Sikora. Erica, what may have changed for some people's finances? Well, obviously, the last year and a half, Patrice, has been difficult for everybody. Certainly not anything we've ever encountered for any of us in our lifetime. So it's important that we not we don't want to ignore the fact that there's been some permanent changes for people. It may be in their actual financial situation. So a lot of people lost their jobs or a lot of people had to relocate or they've been working from home and they had to take care of their children and pay for childcare that they didn't expect because they weren't in school. So there's been a lot of changes that have gone on that may not be permanent, but may have had an effect on your household budget or just on the way that you view things for the future. So it's really important that we don't just kind of brush this off and say business as usual, but look at how to manage the emotional and the financial impact and to see if anything has permanently changed in someone's psychology on how they view their finances, how they view their overall safety after what we've been through? And do they still feel comfortable with the plan that they have? And do they want to continue forward as they had pre-pandemic? And so you, it's a good, I'm sorry. It's a good thing you mentioned the financially and the emotionally. Both those things have been impacted. Yeah. I think that when we first started, and I'm speaking for myself, I, you know, in the beginning, it didn't seem that difficult, I guess. It was one of those things where, okay, we're at home. This might actually be nice to be with the kids. We have some family time and slowly, but surely, I think by (laughs) about January of this year, it got real old and, you know, you watched people suffer and, you know, friends and obviously watching the news all the time, it get, it got really draining. And I noticed that with clients as well, that it was just really hard to stay optimistic and to remain positive about the future when we're just faced with negative news all the time. And so we don't want to dismiss what emotional changes may have occurred during the past year and a half as well, because that has a huge impact on how we look to the future and how we make our plans for the future. And now there are some financial principles, though, that never change that you really stick to. Tell me about these. Yeah. So we have four basic principles that we stand by. And after we go through them, we'll kind of, you'll kind of see how they all interlock together. And no matter what we're going through, they tend to remain true. That's not to say that they may not change along the way based upon someone's life experience, but they all come back to that that guiding principle that we talk about. So the first one, and this is hard after the past year and a half, but it's the fact that you have to always remain optimistic. This notion that optimism is truly the only realism. And 
no one can plan for the future, much less make large financial and investment decisions without actually believing in the future. That's what we're doing when we make any decision to invest in our future, to plan for retirement. We're actually believing that the future is going to be there, that it's going to get better. So optimism by definition is belief that the future will eventually be better than the present. If that belief, no matter how difficult things may seem, is there, then we always know we're going to get through things. It allows us to stay a little bit more grounded in the decisions that we're making when things are tough. So I've been doing this for 20 years. I've been an advisor for 20 years. I started my career just months after September 11th. And as all of us that are listening know, the world as we knew it had changed in an instant. And we were already in the middle of a recession and we were reeling from the tech bubble burst. And I remember feeling just complete fear and total shock. I was new in the industry and this was something new for everybody. And there was no. really nowhere to turn to say, you know, how did you deal with this last time? Because it, it didn't exist, but we persevered. And here we are actually almost 20 years later. Then we had, yeah, it's going to be 20 year anniversary this year. You know, then we had the financial crisis in 08 and 09. I happened to be pregnant that entire time too. So no glass of wine. You picked, on times, didn't you? You picked them. <laughs> no, no glass of wine at night during those times. Um, <laughs> I remember people saying we were never going to recover. I mean, we had, we were on the brink of a pretty big collapse and yet here we are 13 years later and now we've had COVID and let's remember there were plenty of other disasters in between. So we've had lots of other economic and global issues that we've had to deal with. The point is that there's always going to be some scare. There will always be some apocalypse or some crisis going on somewhere and the media is going to jump on it and they're going to create it if it doesn't exist. So we need to be cognizant of history. We should reflect on what's real and what is true or else the news will make us absolutely crazy. <laughs> the bottom line is the power on which all successful financial and wealth planning runs is long-term optimism. We have to always be optimistic that things will get better. So that is yep. principle number one. And that optimism is fed by the plan. Absolutely. So that, thank you, is principle number two. The plan drives everything. So I'm sure most of our listeners have probably heard of financial plans or have worked on a plan themselves. Having a plan is truly the difference between your money wandering versus having real intention and purpose. Thinking of a wealth plan is, it's like a blueprint outlining your current money situation and your long-term financial goals, and then using that blueprint to create a strategy for pursuing them. And it takes time to have a real comprehensive plan takes time. It takes a little bit of homework on your part. It certainly isn't easy, but the goal is to be able to get the input from you. And that's both your right brain and left brain. So it's the quantitative and the qualitative input. And then utilize the tools and the software and the great technology that we have now that provides us a way to determine the probability of success for the various goals and the various dreams really you have in your life. It's the kind of mathematical part of your financial success. So it can help you determine how much you can spend now, how much you can spend in the future, when you can retire, how much you can afford to contribute to your kid's education, how to create a legacy. And it also helps determine how and where you should be investing. 
And we have software that can look into income strategies, determining if a Roth conversion makes sense, the appropriate distribution rate you should have. And it, you know, to me, it's a pretty amazing after 20 years how far planning software has come since I started my career. However, it's also important to remember, as we've seen over the past year and a half, that life can change. And it can change on a macro level, like we've all experienced. So everybody had some experience with COVID. Or it can change on a micro level, where something happens within your small family unit or within your small kind of life. Planning needs to be dynamic. It needs to be versatile. And it has to be revisited on a regular basis. And your plan should be thorough, taking a look at your financial life from every angle, and it should also be highly individualized to reflect your unique family and personal situation, your risk tolerance, and your future expectations. And once you have a good foundation in that wealth plan, it can dictate the decisions that you make for your future. And you feel a sense of security just knowing that outside forces shouldn't be affecting your actions because you now have that blueprint to kind of guide you through what any decisions you're going to be making in the future. So the plan drives everything. And throughout these market corrections, these bear markets that we've had throughout the last 20 years that I've been doing this, we always go back to the plan. So the market may be down 20%, but let's look at the plan. Can you still retire when you want to retire? Can you still help your kids the way you want to help your kids? And oftentimes if the plan was done correctly, these types of outliers have been accounted for and we can say with success that you are going to be okay. This all rolls smack into your third point here because without the third point, the second point means nothing. So tell me about patience and discipline. So this is all about behavior. So before it was all about math and all about using technology and having kind of black and white outcomes, so to speak. But it's worth nothing if you don't stick to it. So it's really about behavior. And this is a lot of what I do day to day is helping clients with their emotional behavior and the decisions that they're making that their right side of their brain, their emotional side of their brain can dictate. The stock market doesn't make people wealthy. You have to do the work yourself. The market is going to be volatile. It's going to be unpredictable and quite maddening at times. And we tend to spend a lot of time and energy trying to figure out things that we simply cannot control. We will never be able to control. Whether it's trying to time the market or pick a particular investment that will outperform others, history has proven time and time again that wealth and financial success is not driven by investment performance, but rather by investor behavior. So that ability to remain patient and disciplined no matter what's going on in the markets, investing can be really easy on paper, but it's that patience and discipline that can be really hard because it's often not the rational brain, the part of us that sits down and looks at all of this and says, oh, this this seems pretty simple, that's driving most financial decisions. It's usually the emotional one. And this is from big decisions right on down to I'm in a store and I'm just feeling like I want to buy that purse and I'm going to do it. (laughs) And I don't sit down and look at whether I can really afford it or what the opportunity cost is. It's more of an emotional desire to have instant gratification. And in the bigger scope, the emotional brain can produce pretty significant fear and pretty significant greed. And it can sometimes have life altering results based upon what we would consider irrational reactions 
to, in the long scheme of things, short-term events. So when we think about what we're planning for, especially if we're planning for retirement, we're in our 30s and 40s, we're talking decades that we're planning for. And a lot of times the, the blip that we're looking at and reacting to is literally just that, it's a blip. You will look back on it and not even know what ended up happening that, that year when you look back 20, 30 years. And some of these events are actually mere perceptions. So they're derived by the noise of the financial industry and the media that surrounds it. And unfortunately, it's these emotional reactions that can continually derail the average person from ever truly experiencing financial success because they react. And react means we either buy when we're not supposed to buy or we sell when we're not supposed to sell. So it's really hard to manage our own emotions. Even I have a hard time when it comes to my own. And that's why it's important to have someone there by you. And I strongly suggest that people have a financial advisor. They can be that constant voice of belief and encouragement that helps you stay on your plan despite all the noise that surrounds us. Tell me about the fourth point here then. Uh, after we've got optimism is the only realism, the plan drives everything, patience and discipline, and now it's asset allocation. Asset allocation is the key. It is responsible for over 90% of a portfolio's returns. That means 90% of an investor's ability to find financial success is based on their asset allocation. It establishes the framework of an investor's portfolio and sets forth a plan of specifically identifying where to invest your money. Mm -hmm. So what are we going to put it in? The simple definition of asset allocation is how much of your portfolio so let's say your 401k is invested in each of the various asset classes, such as cash and stocks and bonds. Some people have real estate, other alternative assets, but essentially the appropriate asset allocation strategy for you as an individual, this is as individual as your plan is, will depend on your risk tolerance and the return you hope to achieve to meet your goals. And your risk tolerance is also going to be influenced by your time frame. So someone who's in their 20s and saving for retirement may have a higher risk tolerance than somebody who's in their 50s right. Right. because it's so far off. They don't have to utilize those funds for, for decades. So it can be influenced by time frame. It can be influenced by your financial situation. So obviously, depending on where you're at with debt and other obligations that you have, you may have less risk tolerance when the market's going up and down. And your personal feelings about money and investing comes into play too. So I know in the past, when I have I've been working with women for a really long time, women tend to be more conservative. We have to work really hard to make our money and we really have a hard time parting with it and you know possibly taking on risk that may have eventually have us temporarily losing that money. Mm -hmm. And so it's really important that all of these kind of all have to come into play when we're putting this together. But by developing and implementing an asset allocation strategy that fits your particular goals and your situation, you then take control. So again, your money's not wandering. You have a purpose to it and you have control of your plan. And this all seems pretty straightforward but sometimes it helps to get just back to basics. Stocks and bonds act very differently from each other. Generally, the more stocks you have in your portfolio, the more risk you're taking and the higher return you may expect over time. Right. Then if you think back to, you know, during the market crisis in 08, like I mentioned before, 
Stocks took one of the worst beatings ever, but bonds actually had a surprisingly decent year. So they were actually positive for the year. Even in a less eventful year than 2008, the returns on a portfolio that say has 80% in stocks will be very different from a portfolio that has 20%. But you need to be able to stick it out through some pretty rough patches to get long-term returns. And this is where we see things running into trouble. And again, why sticking to that asset allocation strategy is so important. Because when we aren't true to ourselves, everybody tends to be a little bit more risk tolerant when the market is doing well. And we tend to be more risk averse when the market's not doing well. We need to figure out where we will be able to maintain regardless of the situation. Because it's sticking to the asset allocation that matters. It's not the start it's can I do it for the rest of my life? Am I going to be able to handle it? And it's not just the big things like 08, where we have just a huge volatile market or like we had last March. So the pandemic hit and that was just a crazy, violent downturn in the market. It ended up being a pretty big V recovery, but we didn't know what to expect. And every day it was shocking. But there's also these kind of, short, longer term types of situations like the tech bubble, which I mentioned earlier. In 2000, the S&P was down more than 9%. Then in 2001, it was down almost 12%. And then in 2002, it was down 22%. So over those three years, the S&P lost almost 38%, which was not as much as 2008, but it was spread out. So the pain lasted three times as long as it was. And it was really difficult for investors to stay disciplined because you just kind of hoped every January that something was going to get better and better. To experience true financial success, you need to be able to stay put, even during the ugliest of times that may be short or maybe more prolonged. And this gets to the true meaning of risk tolerance, and it's why it's such an important part of the process. A lot of the people listening have heard of risk tolerance before, but it truly is the amount of risk you're comfortable with. If investing is about long-term, so decades, which is what we definitely said it is, investing based on your risk tolerance is a major factor in your success. So your asset allocation being based on your risk tolerance, your ability to stay put no matter what is why asset allocation attributes 90% of your success. If you're investing and trying to meet goals 30 years in the future, it doesn't matter how you are doing this year. So making the portfolio match your risk tolerance is the key to staying disciplined. We all know someone who unfortunately sold right at the bottom of 2009. So the largest amount of outflows from stock mutual funds into bond and cash mutual funds happened in February of 2009 the market bottomed on March 9th of 09 and was off to the races. Those people that got out in February, they stuck it out as long as they could and they just couldn't take it anymore. They sold, they locked in those losses and they're real now. The unfortunate part is their portfolio probably didn't reflect their true risk tolerance. If it did, they would have been able to hold on until the market turned around. Now, not hold on without a lot of handholding. A lot of handholding. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of on the back saying it's going to be okay. Exactly. A lot of help from their advisors. 
but most likely they were in a portfolio that may have been too risky for them and maybe likely too heavily tilted towards stocks. When you get your risk tolerance right, you can stay disciplined and you can harvest the market returns you deserve for putting your money to work in the market. And stocks and bonds have different roles in the portfolio. Stocks can drive the growth of your portfolio, but they are certainly riskier. Bonds can act as the defense in your portfolio, but they are slower growers. Less volatile, but slower growers. Most people need a combination of both to keep them disciplined and on track to meet their financial goals. It gets harder and harder the older you get, the closer you get to retirement to be able to handle the volatility of the stock market. So it's important to be really honest with yourself. Unfortunately, many people in my industry want you to focus on the noise. They want to tell you what's going on day to day. They want to tell you how you can time it perfectly and that there's this one stock you should be investing in. We've heard a lot of that lately, uh, which means you may feel compelled to do something to trade often, but it's really important to just ignore the noise, get your stock and bond ratio right, and you'll be able to stay disciplined and keep moving towards your goals. So to kind of summarize those principles, we start with our belief system. We start with saying we're optimistic. Then we sit down and we, so that's kind of the foundation Right. I'm, I'm optimistic that things are always going to get better. Right. The next thing is knowing that I'm optimistic and I want to plan for a future because I know there's going to be a future. Then I put my plan together. And that plan then helps dictate mathematically what decisions I'll be able to make for my financial future. Then I have to make sure that I'm going to stay patient and disciplined the whole time in order to be able to make sure the plan continues mathematically down the way it should. And then lastly, I'm investing in order to reflect my ability to be patient and disciplined. So my asset allocation is correct. And the asset allocation is driving the return needed in order to have my plan be successful. And that's all wonderful. That's all positive. Mm -hmm. That's great. Mm -hmm. What are the common mistakes that mess people up? Yeah. So if you look at these four principles, they're pretty easy. And they're, they, when someone's listening right now in the vacuum of their car or on a walk, it's real easy to say, this is, I can do this. Yes. Yeah. I mean, even when we think about anything else we're trying to achieve, whether it's weight loss or if we're trying to quit a bad habit, we know that quick doesn't fix, that it's a long process and we have to stay disciplined. So everything that we're talking about are concepts that we know work. But at some point in time, we're going to take our headphones off, our AirPods out, and we're going to go back to our normal life. And one of the biggest things that happens is we start to listen, what I call listen to the noise. So we're not in our vacuum anymore. We're not sticking to the four principles. We're now either talking to someone, a friend or a family member about what they heard on the podcast. And that friend or family member has a completely different point of view and says, well, this is what I've heard, or this is software that I found that helps you pick winners. And, you know, I, I got in and out exactly when I should have, I timed this correctly. I knew this, or you end up turning on the TV. That's enough said right there. So you turn on the TV <laughs> and everyone has an opinion and, you know, to the defense of the television and the news media as a whole, they have to create 24-hour news cycles. Those four principles are going to take maybe an hour to explain if that's truly what they 
that all the material they were going to give out, they only need an hour. They don't need 24. So they tend to bring in lots and lots of noise. If you turn on the TV at eight o'clock in the morning, you may get one opinion. If you turn on the TV at 8.30, you may have a completely different opinion. And I'm not saying that they're not founded on some educational or some research that they've put in, but unfortunately, it isn't necessarily going to be something that you should be listening to. It shouldn't be something that you should be reacting to. It shouldn't be something that you should be changing your portfolio and your plan because of. And it goes back to that optimism as the only realism. If you reacted to every time we turned on the news and somebody spoke negatively about something, we would be reacting almost every day. And we know long-term success is being patient and disciplined. So we really have to kind of step away from that noise and understand that it's not that it isn't entertaining, but it's not necessarily news mm -hmm. and informative at times. It, it could be someone's opinion, which has virtually nothing to do with your life. So the first thing is people listen to the new noise and they feel compelled to act. And that's been especially true over the past year and a half. So really important to just put it in perspective. I'm not saying don't watch or read or any, but just put it in perspective. How about expectation? <clears throat> so the second mistake people make, when we, especially when we think about the plan itself, is having unrealistic expectations. And this comes in two forms. Number one is spending more than you planned for. This is when you sit down and you put a plan together and you decide how much you're going to spend and you are not truthful or you're not Ooh. honest, this can be the equivalent of going to the doctor. We all get that clipboard and we're supposed to write down our history we're supposed to write down how many cocktails we have in a week. We're supposed to write down all the things that help to have that doctor create a prognosis for you and be able to diagnose you properly. So if you're not forthcoming about your behavior or your health issues, you're setting yourself up for failure, for a wrong diagnosis or a wrong solution to the problem. And I have seen this play out financially over the years. Someone wants to retire badly and they create a budget that's really trim. Mm -hmm. And when reality sets in and they get into retirement, they start to take those extra distributions. They start to justify it to themselves and their investments become exhausted long before they had planned. That's not good. No. And this is so important because you're only hurting yourself. I've said this over and over. I would much rather see someone work a little longer than compromise on their budget. It is Saturday every day when you retire. It's 52 weeks vacation a year. You're going to want to enjoy yourself. So if you go into the planning process, making your budget so tight, one of two things is going to happen. Either you're going to be stressed out the entire time you're retired which to me is the exact opposite of what most people want after they stop working, or you are going to spend more, which means you may be faced with having to make really big decisions that have not the best outcome at a time when you don't have a whole lot of options. So think about running out of money when you're 80. You hmm. don't have a whole lot of options. So we really wanna try to avoid this as much as possible by being as honest as possible in the beginning. So when that plan is created. On the flip side, 
there's procrastination. So waiting too long to save or create a plan. So this is when you're younger. So the first one was when you retire, going in with unrealistic expectations about your budget. On the flip side, you're younger and you have unrealistic expectations of the amount of time you have. Hmm. My philosophy on saving money for retirement is simple. Do it early and do it often. The key factors that fuel growth is compounding interest. Right. It is the best thing out there. Essentially, you collect gains from your investments. Those gains then lead to larger and larger gains over time, snowballing into larger and larger amounts the longer you keep it invested. It's a wonderful thing. It is a wonderful thing. And that's why even small amounts of money when put aside and allowed for growth long enough can turn into truly substantial sums. It's amazing. So while it's never easy to set aside some of your paycheck for the future, and I am sympathetic to what people have been going through, especially over the past year and a half, and families that are just trying to scrape by, it's important to remember that it might actually be harder not to in the long run. We may not have a choice but to leave our jobs in the long run. So it's really important to make room for 401k contributions. It's just too important to pass up, especially if you're passing up valuable matching contributions from your employer. So unrealistic expectations, either spending too much when you're retired or not saving early enough. All right. Confusing complexity with success. What kind of a mistake is that? So I kind of think that People think of investing in the sense that the more complicated, the more that you have lots of moving parts, the better success you're going to have. Hmm. And really investing just doesn't have to be complicated to be successful. We can easily get intimidated by watching the financial news and listening to all the industry jargon. And that intimidation can cause inaction or I think just as dangerous action. So you end up either feeling paralyzed because you're watching the TV or you're reading all these industry um, papers and you're saying, I, I don't understand, so I'm, I'm just going to do nothing. Or you feel compelled to go completely off plan. So you hear about some way to be able to time the market or somebody, to, and then all of a sudden you go completely off plan. Warren Buffett says it best when he says you don't have to be a genius to invest well. And this all goes back to that asset allocation being the driver of investment success. You might think that a smart investor pays attention to daily financial news, keeping his finger on the pulse of the market. That's not the case. Smart investors actually ignore the market. Don't look at it. And if you're investing for 20 or 30 years down the road, today's financial news is literally irrelevant down the road. But shouldn't you be keeping some kind of eye on it? Well, that part of it is you'll keep an eye on it from the plan's perspective. So if something in your life changes, then yes, of course, we should make some, some changes. But it shouldn't be a reaction to what's going on in the markets, what's going on in, in the economy, what's going on in geopolitics. I mean, we have so many issues that can come up around us that tend to make us want to react in some way or can make us panicked and just not do anything. Say, you know, I'm not getting in the market right now. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. You need to make those decisions based on your personal financial goals, not on whether the market jumped or dropped in any given day. However, 
to your point, we do want to make sure that things are being rebalanced, that your plan is being looked at, that you're, that things may have come up. Like I said, in the beginning of the podcast, that this has been a rough 18 months. And if something has really changed fundamentally with you, whether it be emotionally or financially, then yes, that is when we, we take a look and take a step back. Or let's say you really had a rough time getting through this and your risk tolerance has truly changed. Those are the reasons that we would make changes, not because of the actual event itself. And you say a lack of knowledge is also a common mistake. Yeah. This comes down to not knowing the whole picture. So there are three types of knowledge. There's knowing what we know, there's knowing what we don't know, and then not knowing what we don't know. (laughs) And the last one, not knowing what we don't know can have some pretty dramatic effects, not only on our finances, but our overall well-being. And this is where the binder process from episode three becomes so important. The binder process forces you to look at everything. It It encourages you to gather all of your information, all of your financial statements, all of your income statements, your health care, your estate planning documents, your tax documents, and making sure that you have them all in one central location so that if heaven forbid something happened to you or happened to somebody that you care about, that you would be able to gather that binder and execute on whatever plans were put in place for kind of that succession at that point. And it also allows you to have a single location for you to constantly go back and review if anything has changed. And one real quick story, because I I always say this is probably one of the, the best examples of not knowing what you don't know. My grandparents had a wonderful marriage. My grandfather was nine years older than my grandmother. He took care of everything, all the finances. She worked for many years and she had her own pension. Because my grandfather most likely knew he was going to pass away before her, he picked a pension benefit that allowed for a survivor option for him, if heaven forbid she predeceased him, but if the most likely occurrence that he passed away first, it would step up to the original amount of money that she would have received had she not picked any survivorship option. She didn't know this. So he passed away when she was 66 years old very young and did not know that there was this benefit that he put, put forth for her 10 years go by. Oh no. I discover it. Luckily we called the school. She'd worked for a district. They were great. They sent her a lump sum for the difference of what she would have been receiving the past 10 years. And then she obviously got that jump on her current pension, but had I not found it, and she passed away, that would have been money that would have gone to nobody because your pension only goes to you or your spouse. And when you pass on, that's it. So all those years of hard work and everything that they put into planning for the future would have been lost if we had not figured that out. And it's not because my grandfather did everything right. He was planning for a really great future for her, but Unfortunately, he was taking care of her almost too much. And so I really want to encourage all the ladies out there, the women out there to please make sure whether it's you taking care of it and your husband or your partner knows what's going on or whether it's they're taking care of it and you need to know what's going on. It is really frightening when we can, when we don't know what we don't know and we don't find out until it's too late. Erica, how can we actually determine if we are on the right track? And this story leads right into that question. 
So to kind of summarize, we discussed a lot today. So the real simple way to find out if you're on the right track, a good place to start is to check when you open your statements. So it's what, June 3rd today? Most of us will have received our statements already or we'll be receiving them in the next day or two, 401k statements, investment statements, bank statements for May. Can you look at those statements and can you say that everything you own or are invested in is directly correlated to your goals? If you can, and the answer is absolutely yes, then that is awesome. You're actually in the minority. But if it's a no, and you have even the slightest doubt that you're investing for -hmm. your plan, you should seek help. Okay. And how can listeners reach you, Erica? So you can reach me via email, erica.cummings at rbc.com. You can also visit our website, harmonyfinancialwellness.com. I'm also on LinkedIn, and we also have a Facebook page. And that is Erica Cummings, financial advisor with the Harmony Financial Wellness Group at RBC Wealth Management. Subscribe to Erica's podcast, A Strong Woman for Strong Women, and you'll get alerts when new shows are ready. Also, please share with friends. I'm Patrice Sikora. Let's talk again later. Thank you for listening to A Strong Woman for Strong Women with Erica Cummings. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest as of the date of this recording, is subject to change without notice, and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of RBC Wealth Management. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or another qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Investment and insurance products offered through RBC Wealth Management are not insured by the FDIC or any other federal government agency, are not deposits or other obligations of or guaranteed by a bank or any bank affiliate, and are subject to investment risks, including possible loss of the principal amount invested. RBC Wealth Management is a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSE FINRA SIPC. RBC Wealth Management does not provide tax or legal advice. All decisions regarding the tax or legal implications of your investments should be made in connection with your independent tax or legal advisor. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. It is not possible to invest directly in an index.